Because in a room like this, we've all come from different places, different needs, different realities of our week. Um, my week, I can just tell you about my week. Um, for the last couple months, my pastor, a father of my faith, and a mentor, a brother, someone who's believed in me for almost a decade, um, who's championed me, who's called me to greater who's challenged me. I've walked with him and his family these last several weeks and months, and Pastor Ron is finally home with Jesus. And you want to know my only, really my only regret of knowing a great man for 10 years? My only regret is that I didn't show more grace. You see, as a young pastor and as a young man, I thought I knew better. I thought that I had ideas that would fix the church or would help us to reach people more. My only regret as someone who worked under him for almost a decade was I didn't have more grace in my heart to realize that actually he hit the bullseye of what the Lord called him to do for his entire ministry. Now, isn't that something that that would be my only regret? Isn't that something that that would be my only regret? that I wish I'd had more grace. That I wish I would have been a little bit more humble in my estimation of myself and what I thought should and shouldn't be done. And I stand up here and I boast in Jesus and I boast in a man who put his faith in Jesus who led with all of his heart and obedience to what the Lord mandated him to do his entire ministry. And as I get to reflect, I was at his house this morning. He passed this morning at 5, 10 a.m. And as I reflect on the loss of a father, the only thing I can think about is how grateful I am that even in my arrogance and pride, he never stopped showing me grace. He never, he never stopped. Buddy, can you help me out? You just turn it down or something. It's just kind of... He never stopped saying yes to my phone calls for lunch when I could fill his ear with a bunch of thoughts <laughs> and opinions. And he could just look at me and love me and see in my youthfulness, he could see my heart. And that's why he never pushed me away. Because if I know anything about Pastor Ron, it's that he was a man who cared about the hearts of people. And I, for one, am picking up the mantle of his ministry. Because Ron Salisbury lived to bring those who were far from God into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And... 
that is a mantle that is worth picking up and carrying. Every meeting, we would talk, and we would talk about philosophy of new life and the church, and it would always get back to, I want to be a church. I want to be a place where people can bring their friends who don't know God, they can bring them to a place where they can be introduced to God's saving grace and his power. For 10 years almost, almost every conversation about the church, Chad, that's great. We can try it. We can make the lights a little lower, music a little louder. We can sing a little longer. We can declare. We can pray. We can do, Chad, we can do all of this. But at the end of the day, what I burn for is for those in our city and our nation and the nations who are far from God to become close to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. I tell you, I got to see the inside scoop for almost a decade. That is who he was from every angle. From every angle, he moved, he thought, he strategized, he planned, and he woke up every morning before anyone in his house, and he would get on his knees, and his dog would come attack him and lick him, <laughs> and he would start every day like this. Every day, he would start bowing before the one who was the good chief shepherd of a flock. So I honor him as a friend and a brother and a son and a fellow pastor in our area. Ron had an uncanny ability to pull churches together. I've been to 20 states. I've been all over the country. I've been somewhat around the world. And I can say I've never been anywhere else like the Central Coast where pastors meet together like they do here on the Central Coast. That deserves an amen. Pastors and leaders who... And God has used Ron's suffering. He's used Ron, Pastor Ron's suffering at New Life to draw and to pull us together, to, to knock us off of our high horses thinking we know what's best. And it's caused us to become humble and to reevaluate and to think about what's most important. Did you know that's a good thing? And as we went over there this morning, I went over there this morning and uh, we were all drinking our coffee. The family had peace. Because their dad and their husband and brother is no longer in pain. Did you know that's a good thing? There's, he's no longer suffering and no more prods and pumps and tubes and needles and Did you know that because we are Christian, life doesn't end when you breathe your last breath? And here I am, all crybaby and everything. I'm 32, I've just started a new ministry and though I hate the means through which God is accomplishing something in me, I am grateful that at 32 I get to hit pause and think about the kind of life I really do want to live in ministry and life as a husband, life as a dad. 
And I, for one, want to live for that which will last forever. How about you? I love that old hymn that we sang. Till my trophies at last. Did you know that our trophies, it's hard to hold all of our trophies and, and to experience the fullness of Christ at the same time. Did you know that? Did you know that to follow Jesus, you have to travel light? Did you know that? To follow Jesus, the reason why every time Jesus, when he calls his disciples, he's always challenging them in the deepest part of who they are to let go, to forsake, so that they can travel lightly because on the journey of following Christ is the most satisfying, fulfilling life. But if you're full of your stuff, you're not gonna be able to carry his. And that wonderful hymn, Till My Trophies at Last. I don't know about you, I wanna lay my trophies down right now. Because I don't wanna waste, I'm one breath pursuing something that promises and is so alluring, but at the end of the day, it's not what it, it never is what it pans out to be. Do I have any older people who can bear witness to that? You know, being older isn't always bad. Come on, some of y'all need to say amen to that. Because when you get old, you gain this little old thing that's called perspective. And as a young pastor, I say to you old people, I'm not going to tell you an age demographic. You can put yourself in your own category. I'd like to be able to feed my children, so I'll leave it at that. Did you know that there's an entire, there's an entire generation looking to you to see if you're more interested in gaining and keeping your trophies or living fully for the kingdom? Did you know that there's actually an entire generation that's wondering They're wondering if what we say is really what we believe and how we live. And as a young man, I stand here to say to you, older generation, I need you, I want you. I need your perspective and your wisdom. I just went back to Kansas City this last weekend and I had the high privilege of marrying my sister. I did the ceremony and It was hard. Um, the means of how we got there was hard. Going through, she went through a divorce, and 
it caused pain in her heart and family. And but as I stood there before Jason and Kristen and hundreds, hundreds of people, and I got to tell them that God loves them. It was the highest honor I've ever had in the life of my sister to tell her. Kristen, God's love for you, it never diminishes or falters or fails. And I got to share the gospel and people were touched. I mean, people were amening. I mean, I preached at them. You can imagine. I preached the gospel. I preached about Jesus being our only hope. And, and my own brother came up to me. My brother is like one of my best friends, but we kind of have that brother thing where we don't always talk about things of substance. That's a stupid brother thing. You can break that off. <laughs> my brother came up to me after and said, Chad, you don't, you don't usually compliment. It's weird. Sibling things are weird. But Chad, that was awesome. He said, I almost cried twice. <laughs> almost. We got a text message. Jason, my, my sister's husband, got a text message from a guy later in the evening that said, man, I need, I need to turn, turn my life back to God. I mean, I have a whole page of notes. I mean, I could preach for two hours. But I just want I just wonder if anyone needs to give their life to God. Like, I'm just forced. Like, death and suffering, it just jars you from your monotony. It jars you from your other pursuits and the things that are shiny, but in 20 years, they're going to be rusty. And it just, it confronts you with the reality of what is worth living for. And the only thing I want to share this morning, and then we'll pray, and we'll just pick up in the next few weeks what I want to share. What I want to share with my, my family here this morning is this. For years and years and years, about 100 years since modern evangelism, revivalism, I believe that our equation has been slightly off. We've been telling people to bow their eyes, I'm sorry, bow their heads, close their eyes, fill out a piece of paper, and to invite Jesus into their life. And before you throw rotten tomatoes at me, let me finish. The last I checked, before Christ, I was dead in my transgressions and sins. Anybody else with me? Yes. That there was nothing good in me, Ecclesiastes 7 and Romans 3, that I, Isaiah 64, all my acts of righteousness, even my best day was filthy compared to his holiness. And I just want to put a seed in your heart 
It's never us who invites God into anything. It's always him who invites us into his life. I haven't been able to shake it all week. Do you know there's a difference between saying, Jesus, come into my life, because then we think we're still Lord and we can put him where we think he deserves and belongs. Come into my life, but hang out over here. And you know, that's what most of us do. Can we just be honest this morning? We just give him a little piece and a little part, but did you know that when Jesus... When he came on that Galilean hillside and he came beside the lake and he saw the fishermen, do you want to know what he told them? He didn't come and ask them, can I be a part of your life? He said, come. You come to me. Because following me, being a Christian, has, it has nothing, almost nothing to do with praying a one-time prayer and a get out of hell free and then going and living how you want to live. Being a Christian means I've got a new Lord, a new master, a new owner who calls the shots. I got, some, I got one outside of me because in me I am dead. I have nothing to offer. But I've got one who invites me, even in my sinful, selfish state, he invites me out of the muck and mire of the mess that I make of my world when I am calling the shots. And he says, follow me and find life. Did you know that those prayers are on different, they're on different planets? Lord, come into my life. No, no, no. Lord, I'm following you because you're the one who is life. And in him was life. And the life was the light of all human, humankind. John 1, 4. Okay, what are you saying? You don't believe in prayer? That's the farthest thing from the truth. I'm just saying, I'm not inviting him into anything. He's inviting me into his thing. You see the difference? One of them is static. It's just a prayer and then I go on and live my life. The other one demands everything of your life. Come and follow me. I'm moving somewhere. I'm going somewhere. And along the way, you're going to realize you're going to need me more and more every day. Can I get a witness from some, for some faithful saints? And so when Jesus came, and, and here's what's stunning about Christianity. It's very, very clear that Jesus in Matthew's gospel, we're going to go, just it's going to be fun the next few months, weeks. Jesus is baptized in Matthew 3. Excuse me. And the father speaks, and what does he say? This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. I'll help you. That's what he says. <laughs> and everyone who knows anything, who studies their Bible or commentary, knows that the father quotes two verses. He quotes several passages in this one declaration. Number one, this is my son. Did you know that that is taken directly from Psalm 2, which is called a coronation psalm? It would be read or recited when a king of Israel would be anointed as king. And in that psalm, it says in verse 6 that God will anoint his son and the son will ask the father and all the nations will come and bow before the, the rulership and the reign and the domain of the son, the king. Are you with me? So this is, the, this is my son part. Whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And that's Isaiah 42 and a bunch of other stuff. We'll focus on that later, that he was a servant. What's so stunning about Christianity, and then I'm going to close, all time short of sermon, because I'm trying to learn how to preach. 
so that you leave not going, whoa, he knows scriptures. You leave burning with one thing that you can chew on the rest of your week and it can push you to a life of pursuing Jesus. That's what I mean. I'm not being cute or looking for compliments. I really do want to be effective so that when you leave this place, the good stuff of your walk with Christ actually increases. Gosh, now I got to preach on that. Listen to me. My sister, because it was a little bit late notice, got married on a Sunday. You usually don't get to do weddings on a Sunday. At least I don't. I've done several weddings. They're always on a Saturday. And so Sunday morning, we're going to do a run through at 9 a.m. And I look and, and I pass many churches, several churches, Sunday at 9. And, you know, this church is full and cool. And so we do our run through. We set all the venue up. It was like a mad blitz. And it was 100 degrees and 100% humidity. Okay, so I was suffering. So we go home and we shower and God speaks to me. I, I alter the message I was going to preach at the wedding, the ceremony. And did you know I drove on that same road and at 3 p.m. that church and parking lot that was full, three six hours earlier was now empty. Are you tracking with me? The church I drove by at 9 a.m. when we did the run-through, drove home, shower, work on the ceremony, get ready for the service. I drove by the same church at 3, and did you know what? The people didn't stay in the building. Thank you, Sven. Thank you. And it dawned on me, chatty, If what you do for an hour, hour and a half in this building doesn't influence and by the Spirit and through the gospel and in the grace of God influence everything about their life, when they leave, you're wasting a lot of time and you're just doing religious stuff. I mean, the Lord spoke to me. I grabbed my phone. I started speaking to Siri so she could take a note for me. That's what I mean by wanting to be more effective. I want, I, listen, I, my number one desire is not that you'd have perfect attendance in here, is that you'd have perfect attendance every morning when you wake up in the secret place and you meet with Jesus. Amen. That is where attendance matters. Are you tracking with me? Right. That is where, I'm not saying don't come. Please hear me. I'm not, please come. Please come and invite your friends. But listen, if I've learned anything for following God for 16 years, and if Ron could say anything, he would say, if you forsake the secret place, you've forsaken everything about your life and the source of power and strength and grace. If you lose sight of what it means to meet with God daily. All right. So, back to the sermon. It's a one-point sermon. So Jesus is king. And what's so cool about this kind of king, who do you think kings would usually hang out with? The rich are powerful. Thank you. I'm waiting for other people. They're just whispering. You actually helped me. The rich, the ones who can invite them back and go toe-to-toe with them on a feast. Are you tracking with me? And so here's Jesus. The father speaks the coronation psalm over his son, King Jesus. (laughs) And then this king goes 
and he calls fishermen to follow him. That's why I love Christianity. I wish it was more complex. There is no other religion who's God has gone lower, has humbled himself and surrounded himself with a bunch of people who are broken, jacked up, and sinful through whom, through himself, who he redeems and transforms them to become, they used to be fishers of fish, now they're fishers of men. Only God could do that. And the one word I want you to go away with today is this, that first word, and we're gonna unpack this whole phrase the next three or four weeks. Matthew 4, 19. Let's read it. I'll make a comment, and then we'll close in prayer. And go love somebody. I'll pick it up from verse 17 in Matthew chapter 4. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Did you know that the kingdom of heaven is near? Did you know that? That the kingdom, the reality of God's reign, rule, domain, the reality of God's will, God's purposes, God's agenda, the reality of God's nature, the reality of God's power, the reality of God's presence, the reality of God's provision, the reality of God's protection, the reality of God, God, God. You know that the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately, man, they left the boat and their father, and what? The only word I want to focus on, and I want you to chew on it, and I want you to live into it all week, is the first word of that sentence. Do I need to unpack it for you? Did you know that every single person in this room is invited, summoned, with a front row seat in a VIP access pass to a life in Christ? Did you know that? Come. Chad, when? When you give the altar call in a minute? Yeah, sure. But when? Uh, when you leave and get in your car, keep coming. Chad, when? Well, when you wake up tomorrow morning and you open your word and you make your coffee, come. Chad, when? When you're sitting in your cubicle and you want to get even with your colleague who just threw you under the bus, come to you. When, Chad? Well, when your wife 
who, in, in the strangest turn of events, didn't do it perfect. I don't know about your wife. That's odd for my wife, okay? Instead of being a jerk, go to Jesus. Chad, when do I come? And when you rise and when you go to sleep, when do I draw near to God? Well, I don't know. All the time. Come. Did you know that invitation has no expiration date? Come. Just come. Don't live life with one second thinking you have what it takes. You don't, but he does and he's in you. Then you got what it takes. Come, I'm stunned by this one word. The king walking by the lake. Guys, come. Do you understand? They're fishermen. Nobody's. Just hardworking, mediocre, middle of the road, blue collar. It's for them. Do you know who else it's for? It's for the wealthy, the tax collector. You read it a couple chapters later. You know who else it's for? It's for the sinners, Luke 15, the ones who everyone thought, no, they don't deserve it. You know who else the calm invitation is for? Those who are thirsty, broken, bound, beaten, bruised, sinful, utterly hopeless. The invitation to come to Jesus has definitively been spoken over the entire world. Come. Just come. Just come. Come, 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 come to me. Come, come to me, Jesus would say today. Come. This one word has just stunned me all week. It's a word that you'll never shake. The invitation is always come to me. Come to me. Come to me in your heartache. Come to me in your celebration. Come to me when you don't know which way to turn. Come to me when you're bound and you can't kick the habit. Come to me when you're hanging on by a thread. Come to me when you feel like you got a triple corded strand. I don't really care. Just come to me. Come. The invitation for Cornerstone and for the Central Coast, for the nation of America and the nations of the earth is come to Jesus. Come. Did you know that that one word, if, we, if it seized us, it could change everything about our life? Did you know that? You think that would revolutionize how we treated each other? Yes. I need a bigger yes than that. (laughs) If I realized that my invitation to come to God wasn't based upon my merit or my ability or talent or pay grade or my rap sheet, but it was because since the beginning... It hasn't been man in search of God. It's been God in search and rescue of man. Did you know that that will revolutionize our church and our community? If we become a people who are seized by the come, everyone, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, come. Did you know that's the good news of the gospel? Come. No, the thing that happens is when you come to Jesus, which we could just have fun going through really quick, No one who came to him and who received what he was offering ever left the same. That's the cool part. My daughter is into this new thing. She goes. (laughs) After we eat or do something cute, she's, Dad. (laughs) And what I want to say, that the one thing you can chew on and reflect on all week and you can apply to your life is there is a God who is king in Jesus who left his throne to get 
into the dirt of our life. All the while being king, all the while being the one who held all authority and power so that he could lift us out of the reality of our sin and brokenness and despair and he could seat us at his table of sonship and daughtership and he, he says to us today and every day this entire week, come, follow me. I'm moving. I got a will and I have an agenda, but we're going to talk about that next week because I'm going to stop. Chad, how do I come? How do I do that? Three things. Are you ready? Come humbly. Don't come with a puffy chest with your rap sheet of all that you've done and how awesome you are. Come humbly. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And how many know we need grace? It's the only way this thing works. So come humbly. Come humbly, come humbly all the time, every day, all day. In the morning when you rise, at night when you go to bed. Come humbly. Come humbly because you realize you need a God who is perfect. Because you're not. And I'm not. But he is. Come humbly. Come openly. He already knows it anyway, so just come openly. Amen? Amen. I'm not coming. And it's like, no. No, he knows everything. He wants you to come openly. Come honestly. Chad, isn't that the same as openly? A little. Here's the nuance. Did you know in John 8, 31 and 2, it says, whom the Son sets is you will know the truth and the tr- I forgot that part. You know, that's the most important part. You'll know the truth. Did you know that truth is double-sided? The truth, we come truthfully about our condition. That's the honestly part. I'm coming in truth. The truth of my life right here, right now. Not who I was a week ago. Too. I'm coming in truth. And then I met with the truth of his reality. Aren't you glad for that? The truth of his reality is, although I'm holy, impeccable, and, 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 and full of glory and light, the truth is you can approach me with confidence and boldness if you're coming through Jesus. Did you hear that? The truth is, no matter what your truth is about your life or about what you're carrying or what you're going through as a husband or wife or colleague or coworker or young person or old person or all in between, whether you're grieving, full of sorrow and anguish, or you're full of joy and happiness because you got the raise, you got the A, you got the girl, you got the guy, you got the whatever. The only way we can ever come ever is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he told us to come. Humbly, openly, honestly. And then lastly, four points, I lied. <laughs> Look at this. Here, this, is a, this actually is, is a secret one. This secret, so get your notes out. Come expectantly. That's a secret one. Let me tell you why that's a secret one. Because it's not about getting up and just doing devotions. Reading your Bible and praying, going through the most. It ain't about just checking something off. Listen, he actually wants to meet with us 
in the morning, at noon, at night, and all in between. But he looks at our heart posture, and sometimes he surprises us. Amen. Come on. But did you know that it's a relationship? So if I come expectantly, guess what he is really good at doing? Exceeding my expectations. And God says to you in this room, and he says to me in this room, he says, come humbly. Come humbly. Don't look at you. Look at me. Come openly. I know anyway. Come honestly. Come to the reality of your truth and let it meet my truth. My truth will transform your truth. Yippee. And then come expectantly. You won't leave the same. You won't leave the same. You won't leave the same. When you meet with God and you develop that place of, of, of pressing into his presence and trusting him and, 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 and making an effort. I know that's an ugly word in the church, but did you know God is not opposed to our effort? <laughs> Dallas Willard, Pastor Ron's favorite writer. He quoted this for years I'll, I'll, in honor of Ron. Dallas Willard, the great phil- phil- philosopher, and he's the great, a great author on the devotional life of, of, of a Christian. He says this, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. That's right. Do you understand the difference? Yeah. Effort is, whoa, he invited me. I want to match that invitation with a tenacious, zealous pursuit. Do you see that difference? Earning would be, I got to do all of this stuff first before I even get around to him saying yes to his invitation to come. Do you understand the difference? I got to work something up. I got to try harder because God won't like me if I don't. No, no, no. Grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. Come follow me. Did you see the effort? Did you see the disciples? We're going to get into it later in the next few weeks. They did it. They left. They moved. They went after it. Because did you know you already have God's affection and love because of the price his son Jesus paid for you? Did you know that's the good news? Yes. Already. That's why he just says, come. Just come to me. Come to me. Come to me. So, amen. If you're weary, he'll lift your head. If you're burdened, he'll take the load. If you're broken, He'll make you whole. If you're thirsty, he'll quench your thirst. If you're hungry, he gives you himself as the sustenance for your very life. If you're far away, he came and preached peace to you who are far away. So you can, through the Father and the Spirit, you can come near to him. Then what I'm trying to say is just come. Come. Come and follow Jesus. And here's my favorite part about this story. Did you know back in the day they weren't fishing hook, line, and sinker? This will preach. I'm a, this is, deserves its own sermon. They had nets. And did you know you couldn't really do a net on your own? This makes me so happy. This is such a good insight. I'm going to preach on it next week or sometime. So here's your challenge this week. Who are your fellow fish net people? that God wants you to follow Jesus with. It is so profound that he calls them in pairs. I mean, that just breaks every American Western individual and everyone do your own thing paradigm. He calls them together to follow. Did you know we need each other? I need you. 
We need each other. He called them by pairs. You know why? We're going to talk about it later. You're not going to let, I'm not doing it. What is the one thing you're going to walk away from this week? Someone help me. Thank you. Come. Does it matter what state you're in? Someone help me out. Does it matter what your day was like? Does it matter what you were going through? Does it matter what you did do or didn't do? Does it matter what you're carrying or going through? Is the invitation always open? Thank you. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You don't have to figure it out on your own because it just will make your head hurt. That's right. Come. Come.